Welcome to Coffee with the Snows, where we talk about everything from the Bible to current events, but always flavored with high-octane caffeine and biblical thoughts. I'm your host, Art Snow, along with my co-host and beautiful wife, Sharon Snow. We begin every broadcast with me describing one of my coffee mugs from my collection, because every mug in my collection has a story. So this particular mug, it's a white porcelain mug, and it says Kingside Diner, and it has the the top of a, a king from a chess set on it. Well, let me be honest with you. I've not been to this diner yet, but my wife was there a couple weeks ago, and she said, Art, you're going to love this place. So she bought me a mug. So as I drink coffee from this mug, I know that in two weeks, I'm going to be back in St. Louis, which is where this diner is, and I'm going to experience a brand new experience at a brand new diner, and I'm probably going to get two eggs over easy, hash browns, and rye toast with black coffee. That's my standard breakfast. So I'm looking forward to the Kingside Diner. Might even play a game of chess when I'm there. Well, here we are on this new episode, and the episode today is charged with controversy. Can I say it that way? Yes, Controversy. You can. So it's about women in ministry. All right. So a lot of this is going to be carried by my wife, who, who's a woman, and she's in ministry. And she's been in ministry all of her adult life. So we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls of that topic, some of the hard times that she's had, and some of the easy times that she's had. And working in the kingdom for a lifetime, we've seen this thing change, haven't we? We've seen the landscape change and get a lot better than it used to be. Absolutely. So why don't you begin the conversation for us, Sharon? Well, I never considered myself a pioneer in (laughs) in anything, but apparently um, I'm a little bit of a pioneer when it comes to women in ministry. I mentioned in an earlier episode of this podcast that I was in a meeting, and they said that... uh, the role of women in the church was to keep a clean house, to raise children, and to fold towels as unto the Lord. What? And I, I remember thinking, I don't think that's why <laughs> Jesus put me on earth to fold towels as unto the Lord. And so it began a very long uh, process of me finding a place in ministry finding a voice in ministry and finding an appropriate way to navigate uh, essentially an all-male field, even though I serve in a denomination that was started by a woman. Uh, That certainly wasn't the case when we first started, although women have always been recognized on some level. It was very male-dominated for a lot of that for our history, a lot of our history, it was male dominated. So uh, I think that if you look historically, there was a time like World War II where tons of women were in ministry. Tons of women were pastoring churches because there was need and the men were off to war. So the women stepped up, filled the pulpits. And then when the men came back, they receded and the men took their place again if if they came back alive. I think some women continued in those roles after World War II. And then you get into the 60s and the women's movement, and that all brought a completely different uh, scope to women in the church. A number of years ago, I saw a cartoon, a little sketch cartoon that says there were a bunch of women at the side of a dusty road that said, down with the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, oh, 
I see you received my letter. (laughs) (laughs) So the Apostle Paul gets a bad rap, doesn't he, when it comes to some of the scriptures that deal with women in the church. The reason for much of that, quite honestly, is Paul was dealing with specific situations in a local church, primarily Corinth. Corinth was a a very difficult church in a port city, and they had difficult things going on, and some of the women were getting out of hand, and sometimes they didn't know the answers to the questions, so they're yelling across, hey, Joe, ask him this, and ask him that, and before you know it, there was chaos. So the Apostle Paul, in those books of the Bible, in which he addresses some of those issues, he's addressing a local issue that has nothing to do with current issues today. So you have to understand how, how the Bible was written, when it was written, and how it's applied. Some applications are for just then. Some applications are for today as well. Absolutely. And I do believe that some women shoot themselves in the foot because they usurp authority. Mm, that's uh, right. It takes a very strong man to be married to a strong woman. And I know that by experience. I am a I am a strong woman. I don't think there would be anybody, maybe a few, but I don't think anyone would doubt that I'm a strong woman or would say that I wasn't, but I'm married to a very strong man who is secure in his own manhood. That would be you I'm talking That's about. Yeah. Uh, you're secure in your own manhood. You're secure in your place in the kingdom. And so therefore, you can release me to be who God created me to be. And there's no competition between us. There's no, uh, if, if one of us does something better than the other one, the other one doesn't feel bad about that. We feel happy that the Lord has gifted the other person uh, in that area. So I think that some women are strong and they may be married to men who are either not willing for whatever reason, either um, experience, you know, growing up, they, they don't think women can do it or what, whatever the case may be, or their own lack of security in who they are in Christ. They don't release a strong woman. So therefore, the woman usurps authority mm-hmm, or manipulates right. and goes around the male authority and that creates all kinds of problems that don't need to be if a, a strong woman is released and given delegated authority. And I've always seen myself as having delegated authority. And I am completely submitted to you. I don't do really anything without your uh, okay. And that that even goes with core values implanted in how we minister and how we we operate how we do things so that i have a really wide pasture if you'll say right. with a very firm fence mm-hmm. in which i can operate and i know that i'm not going outside of anything that would uh, be okayed by you so a number of years ago in the late 1970s i found myself as a young man discipling a lot of other young men um, I was teaching them the Bible, how to teach, how to prepare themselves for ministry. At some point, I realized I did not disciple women because I'd never seen a woman except you who understood and handled the word. So at that point, I, I made a shift. I began to train young women as well. 
so they, they would be handled the Word of God just as well as men would. So um, I spent a lifetime discipling people. That's what I've done primarily. I preach the Word and I disciple people. And I've discipled a lot of women along the way. And, and equally as men, they are great students of the Word. Well, we have every gift mix that is necessary yes. for handling those things. And I believe that there is a very definite place for women in the church. I believe that a woman can do anything a man can can do. I, I do have my own personal views on government, kingdom government, mm, right. and, and the fact that, that there has to be some male authority you know, someplace, not discounting that a woman could be president of an organization or even president of the United States. I think there's still delegated, uh, there's still authority, an authority structure there. I think a woman has to be submitted personally to some authority, and I I believe that a woman who is unsubmitted is unfit for leadership. And I think, just in our own experience, we've seen rogue women right. yeah. who really have made a bad name for women who are trying to do it right. And I've always tried to model uh, doing it right. I know you taught me that uh, men don't cry, and men can fight and then go play golf. And, and so uh, that's not really how women operate, but I know that you told me that if I was going to play with the big boys, then I had to act like a big boy, and I, I couldn't act like a girl. And that's gotten me in trouble on some levels when I've interacted with strong men because they expect something from me that I didn't give them. So sometimes I was called inappropriate, or I, I was referenced as being crude or whatever. But I, I learned from you that if I disagree, I have a voice, I can use it, I can go toe-to-toe to you, toe-to-toe with someone uh, on an issue, but that I don't ever take it personally, I don't, don't cry, I don't you know, get all emotionally undone, it's just we're discussing the issue, we discuss it vehemently, and then back to your corners, go play golf. Well, I don't play <laughs> golf, but, you know, back right. to your corner and be all friends. So you're such a good leader as a woman. It's, it must be have been easy for you. It must have been just a smooth playing field for you growing up in this man's world. Is that right? Is that the way it was for you? Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> so incredibly smooth. <laughs> Uh, actually, uh, when I got licensed, uh, remember it split our church. I remember those days. It yes. split our church, uh, not because they didn't want a woman pastor, because a woman split the church, but um, it it was just not uh, it was just not acceptable uh, for women to fit in some of those roles. And honestly, when I got licensed, I didn't change anything that I did in the church, but the fact that I had a license was offensive a pastoral to some people. Yeah, a pastoral yeah, not a license. driver's license. Oh, no, not no, a driver's not license. Or not a nursing license or you know anything like that. When I got uh, orda- uh, licensed as a pastor, uh, it was offensive. It became an offense to some people. So I think what has to happen is that we have to begin to read the Bible, and the Bible needs to be the grid through which we see life. Op- sometimes what happens is our personal biases become the grid. 
So if you look at the Bible, you find women leading all over the place, right? Where would Israel have been, ancient Israel have been, without Esther? Israel would not have been without Esther. They would all have been destroyed. Where would the nation of Israel have been without Deborah, the judge, who put things in order, right? So where would the church have been without Mary, the mother of Christ? Where would the church have been without Priscilla and Aquila as a husband and wife team? Let's talk just for a couple of minutes about how husband and wife teams operate. You and I have spent a lifetime doing ministry together, have loved every minute of it. So tell us, talk, let's talk about how a husband and wife team can work in like a hand in a glove. Well, we have always said that together we make one really good pastor. And I think that's a very true statement because women bring something to the table that is very different from a man's perspective. And men bring something to the table that women have to learn from and grow from. We each have to learn from each other. And so when a man and a wife can work together and sort out the gift differences that each of them carry and begin to work like a hand in a glove rather than like two competing factors, it becomes this smooth transition where whoever is good at something steps forward and does it. And then whoever the next situation comes, the next person steps forward and does it. In our particular case, I've done more administrative work than you have. But in times when you had responsibilities that forced you to travel or forced you to be gone, then I stepped up and I preached. And so I think you have to be willing to do whatever is necessary and you have to be willing to sit in the background. I would love to, to write a book someday called Leading from the Second Chair. Ah, that's good. Because there's a, a grace that comes from being in leadership, being in senior leadership, but not being the senior leader, having responsibility, but having that responsibility in a delegated perspective. And you have to be able to do that with grace, without competition, and without feeling like you're a second-class citizen because you sit in the second chair. That's very good. I think it's important to understand that men and women do bring different things to the table. And what we desperately need today is to see both parts of the equation. Because if you have a, a male-dominated church, then women often are put to the side and don't get a chance to contribute, right? So every, every Christian has a gift, multiple gifts lying within them. And the Apostle Peter says, each of you have a special gift, employ it for the benefit of the, of the kingdom of God. So if I suppress a whole gender and say you can't function here, then we've robbed the church of 50% or probably more, quite honestly, right? Probably more than that uh, of the gifting within the church because uh, we say no to women because they wear different clothes than men do. So, I think the key for women is the scripture that says that we should have a gentle and a quiet spirit. Uh, not a gentle and quiet personality, but a gentle and quiet spirit. And I think a woman who desires leadership on a senior level, really any level of leadership, but specifically on senior levels, has got to be submitted to the Lord. They, they have to have a deep conviction of who they are in Christ and who Christ has called them to be. I, 
I think insecurity is a big enemy here because when you're insecure as a woman, you try to prove yourself. And when you try to prove yourself, you get into a lot of trouble. I think you also have to understand as a woman that uh, men hear things differently. Men perceive things differently. Men process things differently. And a very wise gentleman uh, once said to me uh, that I needed, that I had a lot of good things to say, but I had to learn to say them in a way that people could hear me. And that took me probably a five-year process of wrestling with the Lord and experimenting and, and feeling like I was rearranging my whole entire self for someone else. I, it just, it was a long process, but eventually I learned to say things in a way that other people can hear what I'm saying so that my message or the message Christ wants me to give is not discounted because of the vessel or the delivery. Let me ask you this. Have you had any mentors along the way that helped you grow into your leadership as a woman? I had a mentor in Iverna Tompkins, and it was a distant mentorship. We did not spend uh, lots of time personally together, but Iverna has mentored me since 1982. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's been a very, very good mentor to me. What, what is the primary thing you think she taught you? What did she read? What was her legacy in your life? Her legacy in my life was to not be afraid. To, to do what I was called to do by God and not to be afraid of what other people said about me, to do it with grace and poise and to do it in a way that I was submitted to, to authority and I wasn't just rogue doing right, what right. I wanted to do because I thought I could because that, that doesn't honor and glorify God at all. So if I were to ask you, um, do you ever interact with uh, that's not the right word. Do you ever mentor men? I have on occasion, uh, actually on a lot of occasions, okay. I have mentored men and, uh, I mentor them from a word focus, not a experience or a personal focus. I mentor them in the word and I mentor them a lot of times on how to relate to women, how they can help release their wife or how they can help release women in their workplace when they're uncomfortable with that. And I help them understand their role in, in the release of women and how they can function together. Because there's an art to that. There's really a fine art to that. In an earlier podcast episode, we talked about mentoring. And one of the things we talked about is cross-gender mentoring. And there's certain safeguards obviously used when you do that, right? You meet publicly somewhere. You, right. You, you have pictures of your spouse around. Open doors. Open doors. And you talk you talk about your spouse, talk about your children. So there's never any kind of interference that goes on there. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Because that would defeat the purpose of mentoring. You, you wouldn't want to ment them, mentor them into sin. Right. Yeah. You'd want yeah. to mentor them into godliness. Sure. Well, I'm excited about this topic because I see in my everyday walk with God, men and women of giftedness. And I want to see all people, all Christians released into the full measure of their giftedness so we can turn the world around and, and bring light to the darkness. So this has been a really good podcast episode. Sharon, thank you for your insight on this topic. Absolutely. What appears my coffee cup is empty. So that's my cue to close this episode for today. Until we meet again. 
keep your coffee strong and your walk with God stronger.